0: There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. Welcome back. Southern California all the way to the Canadian Rockies. This is Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. SoCal Sports Talk at its finest. Thanks for being with us. I am Scalcol Branson, joined by my partner, as always, Mr. Maurice Moten. He is a national reporter, writer for Bleacher Report. He also covers the Raiders. That's why he's here talking silver and black with you. Oh, by the way, we are the only all Raiders sports talk show in Southern California. So we appreciate Raider Nation joining us here. And it's an excited Raider Nation, Mo. Five and two, who would have thought after the events of the past month that the Raiders would be sitting at five and two going into the bye.
1: Yeah, it took the words right out of my mouth right there. Five and two Raiders, just like everyone expected, right? Every <laughs> guest we had on this show said the Raiders would be five and two going into the bye week, with a look at the playoffs if they can sustain their momentum. No, just kidding. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, two big wins for the Raiders to go from three and zero with some inconsistencies to losing two games and being in some conflict. John Gruden has to resign. <laughs> And then it flips back over, and now you win two games. So I think the Raiders are back on track, and, and I think I said this last week. I think the bye week comes at a good time because even though the Raiders have shown they got over the conflict of John Gruden's re- resignation, now they can gather their thoughts and kind of prepare for the second half of the season.
0: No doubt about it, and I mean, that's where I want to start, Mo, because we're gonna, we'll are gonna we get into the, the, the Eagles game. Of course, the Raiders down the Eagles this past Sunday, 33-22. At home, and it really wasn't that close. the The Eagles put on some some late uh, drives that that got points for them. But overall, this was the Raiders game. There was no no denying that. And I think that one of the things that that impressed me was again the continued focus by this team with the John Gruden stuff. and And I want to get to a little bit of sound Solomon Thomas, who's been a great addition to this Raiders defensive front. You know, the Raiders defense, Mo. The Raiders actually have a defense. <laughs> and Solomon Thomas has been part of that. I mean, you look at uh, overall uh, on the defense, and you look at and what they've been able to do, the Raiders, they've been middle of the road, right? And I know a lot of Raider fans think that they are playing better than middle of the road. I'm just using the statistics And where they are, but it doesn't matter. They've played well. They have some individual performances that we'll talk about in a minute and some players, including Yannick Ngakwe, who got player of the week in the AFC, by the way, on the defense for his his great game against the Eagles. But, Mo, Solomon Thomas was on Jim Rome, so this audio comes courtesy of uh, Jim Rome the Jim Rome show, but I want to play this too because the the John Gruden thing, and we're going to kind of close the book on it officially here a little bit. I mean, we'll always talk about it because it's part of the season, but here's what Solomon Thomas because they asked him about, Jim Rome asked him about how this impacted them and and what it, you know, what was it like for the team? And we haven't heard, we've heard Derek Carr, of course, we've heard Rich Passaccia, we heard Mike Mayock, but we haven't really heard from some of the kind of the quote unquote rank and file players. So this is real interesting. I'm going to play this and then Mo and I'll I'll come back and talk to me. Here's Solomon Thomas on the resignation of uh, and the, the the whole scandal around John Gruden on the Jim Rome show.
2: Um, you know, it was definitely you know very very tough tough, tough times. You know, as a team, um, you know, as, as someone like you look up to, you know, a head coach is a leader and and someone you know you you respect and you hold high regards and like the person you fight behind and you know. So to see to see what happened, you know, it, it, it was it was tough. Um, you know. We, and, and to see how we found out, you know, I was on. I found out on Twitter, and you know that was tough to see. But um, you know, yeah, you know, but it, it was able to bring us together as as a team, though. Like you know, it was, we're we're in shock. We don't know where to go next, and that's when our leaders step up. Uh, Derek Carr, um, Darren Waller, um, Max Crosby. They, we all get behind those guys, and they they put, put push us together. And like, hey, you know, we're we're three and two at the time. We're second in the AFC. And we can, AFC West, and we can, we have a lot of talent behind us, and we can make a big push. So, you know, Mike Mayock came up and had a great talk in front of us, Coach Passaccia had a great talk in front of us, and was like, hey, we keep pushing forward, we got this, and, and we're here for each other, and we keep keep making strides, because, you know, in this league, you don't get time, and you don't get to replay things, so this is our one chance to do it, so we need to take full advantage of it, and that's what we're trying to do each and every day, so, um, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful for my teammates, and for my leaders, and, You know, I I think there's something special, and we just want to show that each week and keep getting better
0: each week. There you go, Mo. Um, That is Solomon Thomas on the Jim Rome Show. Thanks to the Jim Rome Show for the audio, by the way. But, but Mo, he said something there towards the end that, that caught my eye. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that we can unpack from what he just said. But to me, he said, listen, in this league... You don't have time, right? So so the idea that the Raiders had time to get over their breakup and their disappointment and maybe even feelings of betrayal by John Gruden, they didn't have time to do that. All of these guys are on limited time. Some of them are playing for contracts. Some of them are playing for glory and to prove who they are. Uh, so they didn't have time. And I think that's what strikes me so much about what he said and how this team has played, Mo. It has reacted so much better than I think anybody could have thought.
1: Well, two things that stand out. And you're right. That that does that does stand out to me. But he also said, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Max Crosby, those guys are the leaders in the locker room. Now, we expect the quarterback to be a leader. And a lot of fans have questioned if Derek Carr is the right leader for this locker room because after the two collapses last year, people were saying, well, where's Derek Carr? Well, now you got Max Crosby and Darren Waller, two guys who've had some off the field issues that they have to straighten out and they can be examples in that locker room on and off the field. So just to hear that, Salomon Thomas, who's coming in his first year with the Raiders saying, look, you know, the, our captains pulled us through this. That's, that's encouraging because a lot of fans are still worried if the Raiders are going to have a, a collapse in the second half of the season. Are they going to sustain this momentum? Well, it looks like they have solid leadership in that locker room among the players, not just coaches, but among the players with Derek Carr, Max Crosby, and Darren Waller who are not going to let them fade again.
0: Yeah, and, and and that to me is what's been impressive about this two game run, and and I also want to put, we'll save it for a little bit later, but I want to put into context the two week run because they had a three week run earlier this season, if you recall. I don't, know. some people have forgotten about, that. <laughs> even though it's, it's part so long of the, ago, right? Yeah, it's, and it's part of the five wins. But Mo, I mean, you look at what's happened with this team, and you start with Derek Carr. Of course, we got to start there. Everybody's favorite subject. Uh, But Derek Carr has been playing incredibly well the past two weeks. I've seen a lot of folks, uh, including Rich Gannon, who said uh, this week uh, on another show that, hey, I think Derek Carr might have turned the corner. And oh, by the way, I think Derek Carr might be playing better without John Gruden because he's not yelling in his ear. That's his, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but that's what he said basically. Um, And Mo, I, I remember the first three weeks when Derek Carr was an MVP candidate, and then you had the two weeks where everybody was just not playing well. And now he's back to two and they're crediting John Gruden not being there, but what happened the first three weeks? Like I, I'm, I'm a little confused by that because, look, Derek Carr overall this season has played incre- incredibly well. There's no nothing taken away from him, and I'm glad to see him do it. But wh- what is the disconnect there? Am I looking at it wrongly, or is it just kind of recency bias?
1: No, it's a good question because Derek Carr actually played well the first three weeks of the season with John Gruden there. And I'll say this, just off the top of my head, what I can think of is john gruden has always been looked at as a great planner yeah very good last year was very good in the first uh first half this year not so much but i i think teams adjust to what he's doing and i think he has an issue with making adjustments so when you come out in the season you come out in the game you have a you have a game plan obviously you get punched in the mouth okay so now you have to counter and i think that's where john gruden struggles he's 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 a coach that he's been in the league for, for decades. So he's kind of stuck in his ways. He knows what he likes, he knows what he wants to do. But if he can't, if he can't do it, then there's a problem with countering that punch that from the from the opponent. And I think the first three weeks, what you saw was even though Derek Carr was playing pretty well, the Raiders had some inconsistencies with their offensive line, some issues there. And it showed up against the Chargers and it showed up against the Bears. So now John Gruden not being there, Greg Olsen coming in running some screens, getting other guys involved. That throws an extra wrinkle in for the for the offense. Derek Carr to center a lot more play action. You have a pliable offense that's able to counter some of the things that the defense is doing. So I think that's where you get the Derek Carr starts off well, dips and then now he's back again to being looking like an MVP candidate because Greg is able to switch things up.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with any of that. I think you're absolutely right. And, and you look at the way the offense— I mean, you look at the numbers, the numbers of, of pass plays and the distance of those pass plays under Gruden versus now post-Gruden, and it's stark because you can see the difference, right? So obviously Greg Olson has opened things up. And I would not argue tonight, Mo, here on the show— that that is not part of the reason. It's just really interesting because I think Derek Carr, for whatever reason in those two games where they struggled, I think you're right. The offensive line was really off, but I think Derek Carr has been playing at this level for the season. I think with John Gruden or without him, I think he'd be doing the same thing. He might be doing it differently to your point about adjustments. And I think that maybe, just maybe, because you don't know what the relationship, I think the relationship, everything we've heard about the relationship between Carr and Gruden, was it good? I think it was. But also different players react to different styles. And so maybe now Derek Carr has a guy because Greg Olson was brought back to coach him specifically when Gruden came back. That was the whole reason Greg Olson came is he responds better to the style, right? It's different, different kind of management, different type of personality personality. Derek Carr, I think Greg Olson's personality is much closer to Derek Carr's. And so you might be seeing a little lift out of that. Uh, But I think you hit on something as well that's really important. And again, we go back to, to the offensive line. I think the offensive line, the past two games, we've really seen them grow. Are they perfect? No. Do we see some head scratchers occasionally? Absolutely. But overall, the difference in these two games from an offensive perspective, besides Derek Carr kind of finding it again, has been that offensive line.
1: Yeah, and I tweeted it right after the game. Last week against the Eagles was the first game Derek Carr was able to finish without getting sacked. Amazing. So he he had been sacked multiple times in the first six games. No sacks against the Eagles. And the Eagles, as we talked about last week, have a really good defensive front. We didn't hear a lot of Flesher Cox. We didn't hear a lot of Josh Sweat. We didn't hear a lot of Javon Hargrave. Now Those guys were taken care of, for the most part, up front. So kudos to the Raiders' offensive line. Also kudos to Alex Leatherwood, who's actually playing better as a right guard versus playing as a right tackle.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And and Utah, you wrote a great piece about Alex Leatherwood too uh, and the fact that, look, you know, I know he's been under a lot of heat. He did not play well at right tackle. They move him inside to guard. He struggled there too. He did have a penalty again against the Eagles, but it wasn't a false start. And I think – I think he, I know it's crazy, and I know some people, fans, want to jump on this, I hate this player and they're a bust bandwagon, which is way too early when a kid's in, not even halfway through his first year, by the way. But I think the move to guard, I think he's gaining confidence. He too, after the Gruden debacle, seems to kind of be finding himself and finding the role and feeling comfortable there, and we saw his best performance on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and, and and not to dump on Gruden, because I don't know whose ultimate decision it was to have Alex Leatherwood at right tackle to start off at right tackle, I should say. But whoever made the decision to to move him to to right guard, whether it was Gruden before he resigned or Tom Cable or whoever, made the right decision to say, okay, our original plan didn't work. But we have a plan B, and and then we think that plan B is going to work, and it has. Like I said, is he is Alex Underwood perfect? No, He's still, as you said, still committed a penalty. But I think he's on the way up.
0: No doubt about it. And 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 the other thing too, Mo is, and we'll we'll kind of close out on the offense was okay. This and and you wrote about it, and you and you also posted about hey, Darren Waller wasn't there. He was not. He didn't play. He wasn't active. But still. <laughs> Guess what? The Raiders can play without Darren Waller. And I think that's a testament. Foster Moreau is a guy who stepped up, of course, in the tight end role. But the Raiders receiving core – um, you know, they, they are developing nicely. They are maturing quickly with Henry Ruggs, with Brian Edwards, with Hunter Renfro, uh, with Zay Jones, a guy that I have never been very hot about, but I was clearly wrong because he's doing fine, right? So I'm, I'm happy to take that mulligan. But I will tell you that this it shows you that the depth that they have on the offensive side of the ball and the fact that those draft picks are are pulling through now and showing what their worth is, is significant for this offense, and it's really uh, helped Derek Carr have a great season as well. So so that's good. So you know if one guy goes down, uh, you're not, you're not going to be in, in, in really concerned about losing a game or not having the offensive skills and players to go out there and win. Mo, let's change to the defense now because the defense, I told, I told you at the top of the show that Yannick Ngakwe, Player of the Week, he had his breakout game against the Eagles, uh, two sacks, and was just a a terror to Jalen Hurts all day. Max Crosby leads the league in pressures, right? Uh, And not only that, but this defense continues to bend but not break, which we know has been a hallmark of the Gus Bradley system. Uh, And so you're not going to get this defense to win any awards, but man, up front, Mo, they continue to be pretty dang dominant no matter who they play.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people are going to point out Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe, and those guys are awesome. And even I, I think Casey Hayward deserves a little bit more credit. He's kind of underrated. Oh, yes. not a lot of people are talking about him, but he's pretty much a lockdown corner on the boundary. But one underrated point I want to make here is Gus Bradley's guys coming off the street making an impact. Yes, Damon Square, uh, Darius Phylon, uh, Brandon Faison, Those guys. If you put those guys' names on a chalkboard Raiders <laughs> fans would not know who they were and then those guys come in and they're making plays they've all had at least one standout game this year right off the street and I think that's impressive
0: it is impressive and it shows that the, the Raiders knowing they needed bodies because of injuries and they, they went out and they got guys who knew the system and that also is a credit to Gus Bradley because he has been around um, that's where a veteran coach you know versus a young guy who might have ascended to the role and not had a bunch of uh, players in the past because they they were uh, more of an assistant not a coordinator then than then than he does have so it, it makes perfect sense by the way you talked about Hayward Nate Hobbs the fifth round draft pick which has been a home run for this Raiders team they are the two cornerbacks in the NFL with the longest, or that should say the most snaps played without giving up a touchdown both of them lead the league which is pretty incredible when you think about how bad that defensive backfield has been for a while.
1: See, but see this is my point about a lot of people bagging on the Raiders draft picks and I say sometimes it is a, is a bad draft pick but sometimes it's the coaching and mm. I remember someone tweeted at me during the offseason season because I said oh Gus Bradley's got a lot of his guys coming in that know the system this is great and someone tweeted at me and said well Paul Gunther's guys knew the system and see how that worked out and I said wait a minute now Paul Gunther's system and Gus Bradley system, two different things. Getting a Paul Gunther guy is not the same as right. getting a Gus Bradley guy, and we're seeing that come to fruition this season.
0: Well, and Paul Gunther didn't have that many guys. I mean, Vontez Burfect you want to count him? I mean, <laughs> right? His career yeah. didn't last much with the Raiders. He had a few guys, but also he played guys out of position that weren't naturally – playing there. So so I see your point, 100% there. But but you look at this Raiders team and what they're doing on defense, and it's just enough. Like, again, they're, they're in the 20s, I think now, ranking they fell a little bit, actually. Uh, but at the same time, they're doing what they need to do. And not only that, they're setting up that offense. They're making key stops when they have to. Yes, they give up points. And yes, they gave up 22 to the Eagles, many of them, as I said, late. Uh, but the streaks that they have, especially starting games, they've given their offense the opportunity to start games fast. Now, the offense in the first four or five games did not do that. Now, the last two games, the offense has been much better early, and that's had a significant impact as well, Mo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When you give your offense a cushion, and they don't feel like they have to score on every drive. They can breathe a little bit, and they can actually you know, <laughs> make plays, and I think, okay, I have to do something spectacular on every down. And I think that's what people are talking about with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City with a certain team right now. But um, when your defense is playing at a high level, then your offense doesn't feel the need to have, you know, we have to throw a bomb and score a touchdown on, on every every down, every drive. And I think it's working out fair for the Raiders. It's fair to say this this team is probably the most balanced team that I've watched in a
2: very, very long time.
0: By the way, also, the Raiders doing a much better job of of holding on to the football, not turning the ball over. Now, Derek Carr had an interception. Yes that was his one mistake on the day on sunday but the raiders mo the only team in the nfl not to have lost a fumble yet this season
1: and i think that's a lot of fans saying they're lucky but i hey i'll, <laughs> I'll take it you know Whatever. i'll take it yeah i'll take it fans were tweeting at me to really quick fans were tweeting at me uh it was a couple of days ago saying the raiders are lucky to be 5 and 2 oh. and i replied Hi, you you dug a hole, a 14-0 hole, and two of the games had to win in overtime, lost your head coach, in the, you know, week week after week four, and then you pull back and then you win two games. That's not luck. That's perseverance. That's execution. That's guys on both sides of the ball dialing in and being focused.
0: That's right. You got to give credit to all the players on that roster, no doubt. Even the ones that aren't playing well, obviously, they're, they're united in the locker room, which is showing up on the field. They're playing for each other, frankly, and that's huge. Uh, and I agree with you 100% there. we got a couple minutes left here. want to also mention uh, the NFL meetings were in, in uh, New York this week. Mark Davis caused a stir on Wednesday when he was asked because this whole ridiculousness with the Washington football team and the fact that they will not release the findings of this report. They basically said, yeah, we investigated. Dan Snyder's paid his price. We're good. And no one else in the world is. Mark Davis says he wants it released Uh, in written format. He wants to see what's going on, which he was bucking the other owners. No other owners did that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays off, and we'll talk about that. Our guest coming up next here on the show after the break is Dennis Ackerman, longtime broadcaster and also the host of the Believe in Raiders podcast. He's going to be with us. We're going to talk to him about the Raiders up to this point of the season. We'll also ask him about uh, the Mark Davis situation and what he said This week at the NFL owners meeting and where it goes, where this whole Washington football investigation that it appears the NFL is trying to cover up where that's going to go. So we're going to be talking to him next here on Silver and Black today. Of course, we are Southern California's only all Raiders uh, talk show And, of course, on the Mightier 1090, that is the 50,000-watt blowtorch that is this radio station. You're with Mo Moten. You're with Scott Branson. We're going to be back right after this, and we'll be back with Dennis Ackerman, Believe in Raiders podcast. We're going to get his view. We just talked to each other for 20 minutes. Now we're going to get his view on where this Raiders team is headed and what he thinks heading into the bye week. You're with Scott and Mo only on Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. Now, back to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black Black Tonight on the
1: Mightier 1090 AM. All right, welcome back to
0: Silver and Black Tonight here on the the Mightier 1090. Of course, sports talk local style here in Southern California all all the way up to the Canadian Canadian. Rockies. And we are staying on the Raiders, Raiders, of course, 5-2 and joining us now on the Newsmaker Line is Dennis Ackerman. He is the host of the Believe in Raiders podcast. You can also catch him if you like college sports on the West Coast like I did. I'm an old Big West guy. The University of Pacific, he does work there as well, so he is well aware of the baking genius that is Lawrence Fan. Am I right, Dennis? Absolutely.
3: I've known Lawrence for quite some time being a fan of State grad. so uh, a name from the past. <laughs> know him quite well, yes. yes yeah, so, a good laugh. A smile and a laugh. It's what comes to my face every time I hear that name.
0: Yeah, be, being a UNLV guy, I was telling Mo before we got on with you about Lawrence and what a great job he did since since you are a Spartan as well. And I used to work in the UNLV athletic department, so I did my traveling around the old Big West uh, into the Mountain West and all that stuff. So it's good stuff. But we're, now we're going to talk about Raiders. So, Dennis, I want to start. Listen, we Mo and I were talking about in the first segment the fact that you look at this team, they start 3-0. and People are excited. Derek Carr is an early, early MVP candidate by everyone's uh, kind of assertion. Then you have the John Gruden stuff happen. They lose two games in a row. They lose their coach. They had every reason, and everyone had every reason, to believe that this team might crumble uh, under the pressure and under the change and under the adversity. But it's been the opposite. They've now put together – Uh, After the Denver game and the Philadelphia game last week, heading into this bye week, they put together the two best uh, four-quarter games they have all year. Why do you think they've been able to come over this adversity, and and what's the key to it so far uh, heading into this bye week?
3: Well, like you said, I think Raider teams in the past, any adversity that they would have faced, they would have folded like a house of cards. And I think it's kind of twofold. I think Rich Passaccia has come in, he's taken over, he's allowed Greg Olson to take over the play calling. Mike Mayock is the general manager. He's handling all the player personnel decisions. And I think one of the biggest reasons is when you think of the Raiders now, you think of Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr is now the face of this franchise. And the way that he's playing right now, I mean, he's uh, second in the NFL in yards uh, just behind Tom Brady. He's thrown for over 300 yards in five of the seven games. I mean, he is in complete control of this offense. or averaging over 26 uh, points a game. I know they had a the little two-game slide. Uh, the offense didn't perform that well, but these last two weeks especially, I mean, you can make a case. I mean, I think it's a little too early to talk NBC. We're only through seven weeks, but I'm just going to focus on the AFC West, fellas. And I think if you look at Justin Herbert from the L.A. Chargers, Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs, Teddy Bridgewater from the Broncos, I would say Derek Carr over any of those three, the way he is playing mm-hmm. right now now Mm -hmm. he's the leader of that football team not only on the field but off the field as well
1: now you speak about Derek Carr and he started off the season hot brought the Raiders out of I believe 14 14 0 deficits in two of the first three weeks then as you mentioned he had a little bit of a lull now he's bounced back and he looks like the MVP candidate that we saw at the beginning of the season what do you think is behind that bounce back and I know a lot of Raider fans want to say that John Gruden may have been the reason maybe he's holding him back a little bit maybe it's the play calling. What do you think is behind Derek Carr's uh,
3: resurgence after a mini low, two-game low in the season? Well, first of all, I think you can point to the play of the offensive line. Now, we know it was a work in progress uh, through the first four or five weeks. But these last two weeks, uh, I think they have performed very, very well. I mean, you know, Alex Leatherwood, the first-round pick out of Alabama, mm-hmm. he struggled at right tackle. They moved him over to right guard. They inserted Brandon Parker at right tackle. And over the last few weeks, this offensive line has really killed. I mean, on Sunday, they finally got the running game going. I know Josh Jacobs exited uh, with an injury, but then Kenyon Drake just filled in for him nicely. And I think what it's doing is the threat of the run is there, and that's opening up more of the passing game for Jared. And, look, this team has a lot of weapons on offense. Now, going into the season, I was a little skeptical. Uh, You know, Brian Edwards, the second-year wide receiver out of South Carolina, didn't produce much his rookie season. Henry Ruggs also struggled in his first year. But now look at him. He's averaging over 20 yards a catch. He is that big play threat that they drafted him to be. They wanted him to be the Chiefs version of Tyreek Hill, and he is certainly doing that and then some. So I think it's the emergence of the offensive line playing better all the weapons that Derek Carr has. I mean, Darren Waller didn't even play last week, and Foster Moreau stepped in for him and had a career-high six receptions.
0: Dennis Ackerman from the Believe in Raiders podcast is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Ackerman underscore Dennis. And Dennis, staying on the offense for a moment here, uh, you talk about Derek Carr, and I agree with you 100% on that. The offensive line has put together their best two games as well in this two-game winning streak heading into the bye. Uh, But then Greg Olson, you see the difference in the offense. Now, I know everybody, the John Gruden thing happened. He's gone. So everything that happens after him, uh, there's a lot of fans who just want to say, well, it's because." Gruden's gone. But in reality, uh, Olsen's been there. He's been able to open up that offense a little more. You look at the number of passes, the type of passes, the time Derek Carr is spending under under center, the, the opportunity for him to throw more screen passes. Um, I think it's been liberating. I told Mo earlier that You know, John Gruden, Derek Carr, they had a good relationship. But I think Derek Carr's relationship with Greg Olson and the fact that their personalities are a little more similar, I think it's put him in a a relaxed situation where he can just go out and do what he knows how to do best.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, And what you touched on it also, I thought for the first time in, what, three or four years, they actually ran some screen passes the last couple of weeks, and they've been effective. We never saw that under John Gruden. Another thing is, when Gruden would get a lead, he would try to sit on it and rely on the defense. You know, he'd always go conservative. You have not seen that the last couple of weeks with Greg Olsen uh, calling the plays. I go back to the Denver game, especially when the Raiders got a lead. I think it was third and 12. Gruden would have probably just run the ball. What did they do? They threw a deep ball down the field to Brian Edwards. They got a first down, and they kept the offense going. This offense is not as conservative. And I think also think Derek Carr is more in charge of this offense now than he was under John Gruden. And it's definitely, it's not a huge difference, but there's a slight difference, and it is better. What did they score? 34 and 33 points in the last two games. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely rolling mm-hmm. right now after what scoring, just 23 points combined during that two-game losing streak.
1: So Dennis, I want to switch gears a little bit and switch over to the defense. Um, the defense deserves a lot of credit for what the Raiders are doing right now. They're 5-2 record. Uh, Gus Bradley, I praise in the offseason, I feel like he was the best addition to that side of the ball outside of the players. And it's, and of course, it's showing on the field. He's playing, bringing players in like Damien Square and Brandon Faison and Denzel Perryman, former guys that played with him uh, under the Chargers, and they're playing well. So... Of the players on that side of the ball, outside of Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, who are, I believe, of the stars of that defense because they rushed a passer, who are you most surprised by on that side of the ball?
3: Oh, How about cornerback Kenzie Hayward? I mean, right now, he's pro mm-hmm. football focus, his number one corner uh, in the entire NFL. You know, when they signed him, he was a 10-year veteran. He had spent time with mm-hmm. the Packers. He had also spent time with, his, with the Chargers playing for Judge Bradley. But I thought it was one of those, okay, another veteran's going to come in. How much does he really have left in the tank? Uh, the Raiders definitely needed some leadership on the back end of that defense, The fellas, he has been outstanding. I mean, he has been what he's been, I think the biggest free agent prize that they signed. I know in Godway was mm-hmm. supposed to be, but I think Casey Hayward has had the biggest impact uh, on that defense. You know, they lost Trayvon Mullen for a few weeks, along with Damon Arnett and they really haven't missed a beat back there. And I think a large part of it is one is, the leadership of Casey Hayward, and then his play as well. So that, to me, uh, has been one of the bigger reasons that this defense has improved so much uh, compared to last year and the year before.
0: Dennis, let's stay on the back end of that defense. Jonathan Abram, uh, Mo and I keep talking about him. I mean, I think there's no doubt he is the most improved player uh, on that Raiders roster, specifically on the defense. Uh, Moving to box safety, the way that Gus Bradley is utilizing him and his talent, the fact that he has matured as a young man to the point where he's not making those unforced mistakes or those overaggressive type of mistakes, but yet still playing his brand of football. Uh, How much of a difference has that made on the back end for the Raiders?
3: Oh, I think he has been the biggest uh, benefactor of Gus Bradley's cover three scheme. You know, I was talking to uh, my partner, Stanford a former Raider, great uh, corner. And I agree with you. I think you can make the case that he's the most improved Raider. I think Henry Ruggs is in that conversation as well. But if I had to choose one, I'm going Jonathan Abram as well. I mean, he is more suited to play near the line of scrimmage, you know, defensive back, moving up and playing quasi-linebacker. He's more suited against the run. But, you know, you don't hear his name for the penalties in the secondary or the blown coverages. Uh, He has played well. He's played effective. And, uh, like I said, he's been one of the biggest benefactors of this team moving to a cover three under new defensive coordinator, Jess Bradley.
1: So there are a lot of good things going on on both sides of the ball, and we talked about that with you. And a lot of Raiders fans are still cautiously optimistic because they know what happened the last two years. Uh, They know how it started and they know how it ended. In your opinion, do do you feel that this is sustainable? With what the Rays are doing right now, do they end the season with a playoff berth with a with a balanced offense and a strong defense?
3: Well, a few years ago, they started what six and four, and they finished seven and nine. And then last year, they started six and three and finished eight and eight. But I feel the biggest difference this year, and we were just talking about that unit, is the defense. This defense is much improved. I mean, it really couldn't have gotten much worse than a year ago, but. You know they brought in Gus Bradley. He's been a wonderful addition as defensive coordinator. You guys mentioned earlier, Denzel Perriman. I believe he leads the league in tackles. Um, Gordon Littleton has improved much over a year ago at linebacker. And you know Godley, Max Crosby is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. We haven't mentioned uh, Trayvon Merritt, safety, second round pick out of TCU. All of these additions to that defense. And I just don't see a collapse uh, in, in towards after the bye. I mean, I know they've got a hard schedule coming up. You know, they have the Giants uh, the first week out of the bye. And remember, they've still got to play the Chargers at home. Uh, they've still got two dates with Kansas City, although the Chiefs certainly not what they have been. Uh, they have the Cowboys still on the schedule, So the much improved Cincinnati Bengals. So, look, they have the hardest part of their schedule coming up. But I do not see a collapse just because of the way the defense is playing. Uh, the way they did the last couple of seasons.
0: Yeah, Dennis, and, and before we let you go, too, I mean, you know, we we want to focus on this season, clearly, because the Raiders got to finish it out, as you just mentioned, uh, the schedule on the backside. A lot of fans thought it was easier, but it's not. I think the Chiefs uh, aren't as bad as they have played. We'll have to see if that that holds up, if they can overcome their own uh, adversity. And then you talked about the Bengals in three weeks in Las Vegas. That's going to be exciting as well. Uh, but when you look at the future of this team, I think Mike Mayock right now has the opportunity to show because he's been in the shadow of John Gruden. Let's face it, John Gruden made all the calls on the football side. You know know this everybody knows this uh, but now Mike Mayock gets uh, an opportunity to tinker a little bit uh, and 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 set this team up uh, and lead this team from the front office perspective along with Rich Bisaccia uh, to the point of the playoffs or into the playoffs uh, the future of this franchise I mean you look at you look at this if the Raiders were to do well get into the playoffs um, do you feel like th- th- they'll stay steady state that Mark Davis will say, you know what, Rich, you got us in. Uh, whether they win a game or not doesn't matter. And Mike Mayock, um, now you're in charge and you got the full keys to the car. It's time to do it. What do you think about the future of this team and where they might go from a coaching and a GM perspective?
3: Well, there's a long way to go on this season. But look, if they somehow are able to qualify for the postseason, then I think that Rich Visaski will get the interim tag removed. I think he will become the full-time coach. I don't think they would make a change as general manager. Uh, you know, as you said, John Gruden ran everything. He was in charge of player personnel. Obviously, he was in charge of everything from the play calling, everything football-related. I mean, Gruden was the face of this franchise. But, look, it, I think Mike Mayock has done a pretty good job himself. They had done better with later draft takes than they have early in the draft. But I think when everything happened with Gruden, I think it's at least buys Mike another year. And then I'll tell you what, fellas. One other thing to keep in mind if they make the playoffs, I think Derek Carr will get an extension in the off season. Now, look how long we're talking, how much money I don't know, but next year will be the final year of his contract. So I definitely think if they make the postseason, he gets a long term extension. Like I said, the money and the years I'm not sure, but I think Derek Carr will be uh, in silver and black for quite a long time.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, if they if they, if they they ball out, play really well, get into the playoffs, maybe even win a game in the playoffs, he can definitely write his own ticket and, and do what he wants to be do, right? Which is be, become a Raider and stay a Raider for the rest of his career. One last question, Dennis. This is if you're the GM, right? Mo and I were talking about this earlier. You're the GM. What do you do with Cleve Farrell right now?
3: Oh, wow. You know, he's been one of those guys where, like I said, the Raiders have done better in the back end <laughs> of the draft than towards... You know, the early rounds. He was the first round pick, the fourth overall. And look, he's right now, I mean, you know, he's spending more time on the sideline than he is on the field. Obviously, he's not going to get an extension. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, whether he's a Raider next year, uh, it doesn't bold well for him. Because right now, he just he, he can't get on the field. And yeah. Godway, Max, Max Crosby are playing lights out. How about Solomon Thomas? Oh. You know, when they picked him up, I was like, eh, I had my doubts, but. He's resurrected his career since coming to the Raiders. He has played lights-out football. So right now, I mean, Cleveland simply can't get on the field because uh, their front four uh, is playing so well.
0: Yeah, they really are, and they've done really well. They're fun to watch. Dennis Ackerman, you can check him out. Make sure you subscribe to and listen to the Believe in Raiders podcast. Dennis, thanks for being with us here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you again real soon.
3: Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it.
0: All right, Mo, there you go, Dennis Ackerman. I like Dennis because he kind of re- he reaffirmed a lot of the points we've been making through the show, yeah. which is nice, yeah. and he's a pro, so it's always good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, listen, the, we head into this bye week, and, and I know as a fan, when I was uh, not covering the NFL and I was just a fan, I hated the bye week. I hated the bye week because – yeah, I could tune into football on Sunday and no and some football was better than no football. Now I know you cover the entire league. But when you when you have a team that you that's your favorite team to not have that on Sunday when everyone else is out, they're wearing their jersey, they're hanging out, they're watching TV. And you're kind of like, ah, I'm just here. it's like going to the dance in high school and you don't have a date
1: yeah i mean you know what raiders fans have now that they didn't have way back when they do have you know you can play the game back on replay you yeah. know you watch a, a complete some complete games that the Raiders have played the last two i know you've mentioned that but the last two games have honestly been their most complete games of the season and that's saying a lot because they did start 3-0 and but as we've pointed out those 3-0 and wins came with some inconsistencies and some blemishes and and now you're seeing i think in my opinion you're seeing a Complete balanced football team in these last two weeks.
0: You are, and and I think that you know we talked about with Dennis, and we talked about earlier in the show to the schedule the next three weeks after this bye week: the Giants, the Chiefs, and the Bengals, uh, and then the Cowboys, um, which I believe is was that's on Thanksgiving, isn't it? Um, so yeah, so. That's- Right. That's going to be fun. Uh, but so, you, you know, the next four games, to me, this Raider team has the opportunity to really set the table for them to make that playoff run. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but if you can beat the Giants, the Chiefs will see how they are. That's, you know, the divisional games are always tough. I don't care where any of the teams are at. And then the Bengals, the Bengals at home is going to be a huge game to me because then you go on the road to face the, the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, which is going to be a tough one on a short week. So to lose the Bengals and go play <laughs> the Cowboys. So I, I just think, though, that this team, though, they have all the confidence they need they just can't have a letdown. That's all it is. I think you keep through this week, uh, and, and this team stays healthy, gets healthy, and that's the key thing with with, with Josh Jacobs, who, who I guess says he's not injured, but he was injured, uh, and the other folks you have like Trayvon Mullen. Richie Incognito, listen, folks, I just don't think he's going to come back. Uh, but the rest of them um, this week will do them very good, Mo, to be able to to rest up, get treatment, and maybe get back on the field when they go to New York.
1: But what point have you been driving home on Twitter after, during every during the last two games? Keep your foot on the gas pedal. Yes. Do not let up. I mean, obviously we know what happened the last two years. Act as if you are coming out of the bye zero and zero. Don't even don't even think about being five and two. You know, at top of your division. Think about. Look, we have to finish the season. We have that's the main word. We have to finish. Finish is the word. But I, I just want to throw up a really quick uh, stat. Underrated stat. Mm-hmm. The Raiders were twenty second. 22nd and 23rd last three years in red zone offense. They are now 15th, converting more than 60% of their trips. They were 6-9 in the red zone over the last two games, which is about 67%. So we're seeing improvement in that, in a crucial area in that offense where they can stay in that in the second half of the season. If they can if they can keep that going, they'll be fine.
0: Well said. And I, I do think that that is the Olsen effect. I do think... The offense is looser. The offense, offensive play calling, uh, when they get into the red zone or they get later in games, is not getting overly conservative, which is what Gruden did. Let's just face it. I'm not going to blame everything on the guy because he also deserves some of the credit for the success as well. But I do believe that that offense opening up is going to be a very big deal for them, and especially in the red zone, especially in those short yardage situations. Instead of running Alec Engold up the middle every time on fourth and one, they actually throw a screen pass uh, to Kenyon Drake or to Henry Ruggs, whoever it may be. So uh, I, I like what they're doing, and I think that this this off week, this bye week, is going to give them the opportunity to continue to develop that camaraderie in the locker room that came out of the Gruden mess, and uh, it's going to bode well for this Raiders team. And when we talk next week, we'll be able to talk about the game as they get set to go to New York to play the Giants. Mo, we're, we're out of time again, man. It's just the way it goes here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. But uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk about the Giants, my friend.
1: Yeah, we'll be back to talk about Giants and possibly 6-2. I hate to get ahead of myself, but the excitement is there. The excitement is there for Raider Nation, so they got to love it.
0: And we'll also review the trade deadline, which is coming up on Monday. Uh, we'll see if the Raiders do anything. I don't expect them to do much, uh, but there are a lot of other marquee players in the NFL, and Mo covers the entire NFL, so we'll have to address that as well. Guys, thanks for being with us. Make sure you check out our website, VegasSportsToday.com, where you'll get all your latest Raiders coverage around Raider Nation and the Silver and Black. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Mo Moton, which is M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, and of course, the station here, the 1090, the mightier, uh, as well. For Momo, and I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Tonight. Ah, the bye week edition. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your football. And we'll talk to you next week. Raider Nation. Bye bye now. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black Tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the mightier 1090 a.m. SoCal Sports Talk.